Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Yes, thank you very much. We're, uh, I, you know, if you, you Google some things about fathers and fatherless homes, it's really uh, troublesome. And I have a lot of them here that I want to share with you. I'm probably not going to go over all of them because it's really discouraging. And this is the trend that's happening in our nation. And we have to be imp- really take care. Jason made a great point. Uh, we have to be aware of fatherless homes. And if we have an opportunity to help the young kids in that home, uh, to show them a manly figure, listen, men, we need to be doing it. We, we need to be doing it properly. And so today's message is going to be about eight things God wants to give to you as a father. Because he's a father. Amen? And he loves his children. And we are his children. And he's a good, good father. We sing that song at times. He is a good, good father. And, well, let me read some of these statistics. It's going to be a, uh, a sad look at the state of the world, in a sense. In the United States, there are more than 64 million men who identify themselves as being a father. And out of that, only 41%, listen to that, 41% are part of a home where they're married to a spouse and have children under the age of 18. 41%. There are 2.5 million fathers who are on their own as single parents of a household. In 1970, listen, there were 2.5 million, but in 1970, there were only 400,000. You see a trend happening. Yeah. Fathers are important. I'm telling you what. They are. Uh, 85% of the youth who are currently in prison grew up in a fatherless home. Seven out of ten youths who are housed in the state operation correctional facility, including detention, residential treatment, come from a father's home. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Thirty-nine percent of the students in the United States from first grade to their senior year in high school do not have a father at home. A third, over a third, almost 40 percent. Forty percent. Children from a fatherless home are twice as likely to drop out of school before graduation. 24.7 million children in the United States live in a home where their biological father is not present. This equates to one out of three children in the United States. One out of three. 57 percent of fatherless homes in the United States involve African-Americans. Hispanic households have 31 percent fatherless homes, while Caucasian households have 20 percent fatherless homes. Girls who live in a fatherless home have a 100 percent risk of suffering from obesity than girls who do not have a father present. Teen girls from a fatherless home are also four times more likely to become Mothers before the age of 20. 44% of children in homes headed by a single mother were living in poverty. Just 12% of the children in a married couple family were living in poverty. 44%. 42%. 72% of Americans believe that a fatherless home is the most significant social problem and family problem facing this country. Only, listen to this, only 68% of children will spend their entire childhood with an intact family. This is startling. 75% of rapists are motivated by displaced anger that is associated with the feelings of abandonment that involves their father. Living in a fatherless home is a contributing factor to substance abuse with children from such homes accounting for, listen to this, 
75 percent. 75%. 85% of all children, all children, this is these statistics, you can Google them very easily. U.S. Department of Justice. 85% of children which exhibit some type of behavioral disorder come from a father's home. 90% of the youth in the United States who decide to run away from home or become homeless for any reason originally come from a fatherless home. 63% of youth suicides involve children who were living in a fatherless home. About 40% of children in the United States were born to mothers who are not married. Over 60% of these children were born to mothers who were under the age of 30. I, you know, I could go on and on. I don't like any of these statistics. Do you? Something is drastically wrong. Drastically wrong. This tells us what's happening all across the United States. Children who live in a fatherless home are 279% more likely to deal drugs, carry firearms for offensive purposes compared to children who live with fathers. 92% of parents who are currently in prison in the United States are fathers. Pregnant women who do not have the support of a father experience pregnancy loss at 48% rate. 43% of fathers do not see their role as something that is important to their personal identity. But here it is, 70% of adults say it's equally important for a newborn to spend time bonding with their father and mother. So pretty much everybody is agreeing that this is a trouble. But fathers, listen, there is something that God our Father wants to give to us. And if you have your Bibles or your electronics, turn to Romans chapter 8. We're not going to have any PowerPoint today, so, but I'm going to just simply stay in Romans chapter 8 so we can get the idea. I won't jump around, I don't think. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at uh, verses, just simply verses 12 through 17. 12 through 17. We're going to talk to the fathers, and we're going to talk about the fatherhood of God. How many dads have heard that time moves really quickly? Uh-huh. Yeah, we've all heard that. But I'll tell you right, when your child is two years old, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, but it seems like time is moving at warp speed, doesn't it? Seems like a year is a week. I remember when I was a kid, the summer vacation seemed to last forever. <laughs> I want the fathers to really look at this. And if you're single, I want you to hear really clearly what God, our Father, your Father, wants to give to you so that you have a hope and a future. I want us to see that our fatherhood comes from the fatherhood of God. And as we receive that, we're able to give it. Amen. And the purpose of this message is not to tear you down. It's to actually build you up. It's to build you up. Because these are things that God has, our Father, has given you. And let's take a look at here. Romans chapter 8. Did you find it? Romans chapter 8. Verse 12 through 17. So then, brethren, and your Bible might say brothers and sisters. That, that word there means family, brother and sister. You're, you're a son of God. Men, we're going to be the bride of Christ. Listen, 
This is something that is spiritual, and you've got to understand it. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh. Our, our, our flesh is a rebellion against God. It's the de total depravity of man. Without God, we see what's happening. We just read some statistics. And when the Spirit of God leaves this earth, there's going to be real craziness because we don't know how dark a human heart can be because we've heard of some things that are truly dark. But listen here. We are under the obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. Your marriage dies, your hope dies, and your health will deteriorate. But, this is great, but if you live by the Spirit, you're putting to death the deeds of the body. You'll live. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit, He's going to help us kill these deeds of the body. That same Spirit of Jesus Christ that led Him all His ministry long leads you and I. We must be aware of this. This is a spiritual reality. And if we're locked into the, this realm and not walking in the Spirit, you're going to be in trouble. Because everything you're doing is trying to be out of your own strength. Let me tell you, your strength won't do it. Can I hear an amen? But we put to death these things because, listen, we don't need to hide it. We don't need to minimize it. We don't need to kind of work around it. We don't need to blame shift. We don't need to just tolerate it either, guys. This is really good news for men because we can crucify the deeds of the body. Crucify them. That means put them to death. Amen? Yeah. Put them to death. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This is a really big line. Look at this. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For those of you who are fathers, how do you feel about your son? How do you feel about your daughter? You love them. Oh my gosh. You love them. And how you feel about your kids is how the Father God feels about you. Let that sink in. You love your kids. Amen? He's our Heavenly Father, and He feels the same way you feel about your kids toward us, toward you, toward you. And really, when we understand being a father, it's going to open up our eyes to see the fatherhood of God if you just look. Because we're just going to be looking at a few scriptures. It's all throughout the Word of God. He is your Father. He's your Father. And when we understand the fatherhood of God, guess what that does? It unlocks a relational understanding that's masculine and not feminine. Can I hear an Amen. God wants that warm, loving relationship with you. There's no doubt about it. But men seem to struggle with this idea because the only time that they have this kind of relationship is with their wife. But God wants that type of relationship, a masculine relationship between you and him. How do you feel about your son? <laughs> That's how God feels about you. You love him. And here again, ultimately, God wants to know, wants you and I to know that we're a son. We're part of the family. You are a son of God. I mean, you, you need to investigate that. Verse 15. For we've not received the spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you have received the spirit 
of adoption as sons. If you're a Christian, God the Father has adopted you. And how many people have gone through adoption? Anybody in here? Uh, yeah, I, listen. <laughs> you went to great lengths. You, you, you expended great effort to accomplish that. And the God, the Father, has done the same thing for you and me. And that's why we can cry out, go on, we can cry out, Abba, Father. That's just like a kid crying out, Daddy, Dad, Dad, Dad. Have you ever had that in your prayer and quiet time where you're actually talking to God like that? Oh, I have. Yes. The answer is yes. Dad, dad, dad. Pull on that rope. Dad, dad, dad. Dad, dad. But we're going to get to it. He's, he's, he wants us to grow up. But <laughs> Dad, dad, dad. <laughs> See, we cry out to him through prayer like this. Abba, father, daddy, father. And through worship. Oh, my gosh. Just like a kid. Verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Your kids are going to get an inheritance. Hello. <laughs> But Christians will get an inheritance that Jesus Christ earned for you. This is great news. There's a lot in those chapter, in those verses. There's a lot in that Bible. Jesus says his words are spirit and truth. You bring this in and you accept these things. See, you're an adopted child. And we'll go into a little bit about that. Adoption's a choice. Amen? Well, there's four kind of fathers that I want to talk about here. There's uh, God the Father, number one. He's the precedent of what fatherhood should be. We are to imitate the father. He's the prototype of a dad. It's pretty cool. And then you have number two, you have there's human fathers, the physical father, your biological father. You have a, a spiritual father. A spiritual father is somebody that might have led you to Christ, who is mentoring you in, in the things of God, it taught you how to read the Bible. Maybe he's in, in the point where he's helping you with your marriage. This, this, is a, this is a spiritual father. And then there are father figures. Father figures are the ones we look up to. We try to emulate them. We try to be like them. But there's eight things from God the Father, eight things He wants to give to you that are available to you and me, men and women. But since it's Father's Day, I'm going to really talk to the fathers. <laughs> Number one, authority. Number two, identity. Number three, security. Four, generosity. Jason talked about generosity. We're going to touch on that also. The fifth thing God wants to give you is maturity. Sixth thing is family. We're a family. This is a family. You hang around this place long enough, you're, you're going to get to know everybody. And it's fun. It's fun. And I'll let you know, nobody's arrived. We're on this path of maturity. We're doing it as a family. The next thing God wants to give us is resilience. Hello, do you need it? Oh, man, we do. We need resilience. We sang a song about his strength coming into our weakness. And it's true. He does it every time. That, 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 that. Third, the eighth thing is the destiny. A destiny. Praise God. He's our father, and we're his children, 
we're under his authority. Can I hear an amen? amen? The Old Testament says, honor your father and mother. Ephesians says that you honor your father and mother, and this is the first commandment with a promise. With a promise. And the truth is, if you don't know and respect authority, it's going to damage and shorten your life. <laughs> How many were you, the rebellious type? <laughs> oh, me alone, huh? I'll do an altar call for liars here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. See, the, the God, our Father, provides structure and authority. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Uh, kids need structure and kids need authority. And that's part of the problem with our society today. You know, they never were fathered, never understood or appreciated authority. And you can tell the kids that don't have a dad. So the number one lesson is authority. What's he teach you? The first thing. You're not the boss. <laughs> can I hear an amen? <laughs> a boy needs to be under authority so that when he's a man, he can take authority and have it appropriately. Amen? Amen. <laughs> See, the, the people that grow up without a dad don't understand authority. They're not used to authority. This is the problem in our society. And truly, emotionally and spiritually, they're still boys. So when they get authority, they're not ready for it, and they abuse it. And this is what's happening. This is why there's so many men without fathers sleeping with their girlfriends yeah, having abortions, waiting to get married. And, and can I say it? This is why they vote for socialism. Somebody to take care of me. I don't want to work for it. Just give it to me. You know, I'm joking here, but socialism is like a mommy state. Mommy, take care of me. Give me something. I don't want to work for it. Just give me something. No, when you're a man, you take responsibility. You, you get your own job. You save your own money. You spend your own money. You pay your bills. Okay. <clears throat> Under authority. God gives us this authority. We're to learn authority. We're to learn authority appropriately so that if we can lead others. It's a leadership teaching. We need to operate in the authority that God has ordained for us, men, as the head of the house, as a spiritual leader. Let me give you a, a, an insight about a spiritual leader. Because <clears throat> there's a lot of misunderstanding about that. Some, some wives, some women think that you should know the Bible inside and out. You should be walking off the ground. Uh, a spiritual leader is somebody that might not have the answer, okay, but will take his wife's hands and say, let's pray about it. Amen. That's a spiritual leader. You don't know, have to know all the Bible. You have to know some stuff because God is, God is our father, Amen. Uh, you know, did you happen to notice here in verse 15, God, the second thing God gives us is an identity. Verse 15, what does it say there? He, he uses two identities in that verse. Anybody know what they are? There, come on. What was it? Slavery and a son. A slave is never part of the family. A son is always a part of the family. A slave has no rights. A son has rights. <laughs> if you're a slave, you have no inheritance. But if you're a son, you do have an inheritance. If you think you're a slave, then your relationship with God is going to be slave and master. But if you think you're a son, it's going to be a son and father. What's our identity? Sons. Amen? Really, the heart of religion is it gives a slave mentality. It's like God is angry with everybody and God is looking for your performance and you better produce or you're going to get whipped and punished. 
That's religion, okay? And really, if you have that view, if you think you're a slave, you're going to make a bad husband. You're going to make a bad dad. You're going to make a bad leader. Because our view of God affects how we live and how we treat each other, you know. But our, our, our children, you know, our kids, what happens? They start off in your family in a position of grace. Amen? Grace. Where do we get that from? We inherit it from God the Father. He loves you and I like you love your kids. It's just, it's, Dad, 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 Dad. You know, our children can do things to us that other people can't. You know, when they're little, they could yell at you, and, and, you know, you're playing around. They could slap you in the face, and, you know, if they get poop on you, well. (laughs) But if somebody else gets poop on you, you're going to have a different reaction. (laughs) With our kids, we felt that we had a responsibility to train them up in the right way to love on them and, and bring them up. Uh, a slave now will only be used to benefit his master. Maybe you might have had a slave relationship with your dad. Or your dad wins, you lose. He abuses you. You work for him. He uses you to benefit himself. He doesn't sacrifice for the children. That's a master-slave relationship. Okay? Here's the thing. Did we need kids? No, we didn't need kids. We didn't need kids. But we wanted kids. And we wanted kids so we could pour our love into them. Amen? Amen. And it's really a selfless relationship, isn't it? Yeah. Our relation with God the Father is not a slave mentality, but a son mentality. It can make all the difference in your life. He's not using you. He's loving you. Amen? He's not taking from you. He's investing in you. Come on. The truth is, we don't need his approval because we operate from a position of approval. Let that sink in your heart. It'll change your relationship with him. We don't work to get his approval. We have his approval. This is... We have to understand this son father relationship once again it's masculine it's loving and it's warm it also be can, can be as we're going to see later on correcting yeah. you know a son that's our identity <laughs> there's a whole theology about son theology about you and i are sons of god and it's worth investigating it's worth spending time to dig into that because It'll change you. It's a reality. God our Father loves us. He's in love with us. Remember Jesus at his baptism? God the Father spoke. And he says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus didn't have a ministry. He never cast out a devil. He never preached a sermon. He never walked on water. But what did God the Father say? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. 
What do you think he says about that? This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. This is the position we operate in. You're not a slave. You're a son. <laughs> a slave always has to earn their place. You and I have been given the place. That's our identity as sons. Our sons. You, you say, yeah, well, I've really messed up. That's right, you have. But it's the Father's love and approval that will pull you up. It'll pull you up. It'll get you out of the mess. You've got to allow God to love you. You're a son of God. A son of God. You have an inheritance. You, you have God himself saying he's pleased with you. Now what about your children? What is the identity you put on them? Remember Adam? He named everything. All the animals, all the bugs. There's a half million bugs. This guy must be really brilliant. <laughs> Not everything, every different name for everything. It's, he's amazing. But that's what men do. They, they give identities to people. Did your dad have a, a, a nickname for you? Uh-huh. Sport. My little buddy. <laughs> Rub your head a little bit. <laughs> you know, some of us had dads. I didn't. My dad was really pretty awesome. But some had these dads that identified you as other things. Stupid, dumb, good for nothing. What's the identity that God gives you, friend? You're a son. You're a son of God. His love is all for you. His approval. That's the position we operate in. God is approving of me. I'm a son of God. He loves me. You see what confidence that brings? Come on now. You got trouble? You know what? I'm a son of God. He loves me. He's approved me. He's accepted me. He adopted me. The second thing you, or the third thing you get from a father is security. Go back to verse 15 again. He says, not, uh, not fear, but adoption. Not fear, but adoption. A kid that doesn't have a dad, oh, let's face it, you either have a, a fear or you have a father. There are so many things to be afraid of when you look at this world now. So many things. But a man who adopts you and loves you gets rid of those fears. We know a couple that uh, adopted a, a girl, a little girl from China in an orphanage. You think what a little girl in an orphanage grew up like that? What kind of fear has she got? Am I going to have anything to eat? But this couple that adopted her went to great lengths once again, goes to China, pays money, a lot of it. Gets this girl. They went to great lengths to get this girl. And that's what the Heavenly Father's done for you. He's done for me. God the Father has adopted us. Listen, He's adopted us. And there's a difference between birth and adoption because uh, adoption, you have to make a conscious decision. You know? The Father is saying, okay, I know who you are. I know what I'm signing up for. I choose you. That's our Father. That is our Father God. Our Father God has chosen you. 
He determined to commit himself to you and to me. That's our Heavenly Father. And that brings security. Huh? <laughs> Being a dad, you have to correct. Right? Yeah. Why do you correct? You correct because you love that kid. Structure and authority. Dad's letting everybody know you're not the boss. <laughs> but before you correct, I want you to connect. Amen? Men who don't know their authority, don't understand it, when a child acts up, what they do is they double down on their volume. But when you understand your authority, you make that connection first. You make that connection. We did that with our children. When they called, they needed correction, we, we made that connection first before we corrected. It works, friends, I'm telling you what. But when you double down on your volume and you're mad about it, guess what? That's a slave-master relationship. You make the connection, there's a son-father relationship. You've got to understand that. Some of you had a, a, a bad dad. You have the wrong view of dad. Some of you had no dad. Here's the key. You got to know the heavenly father. Abba, father. Abba, father. You start off in sonship. You start off in a position of grace and mercy. And that never is released off of you. Fourth thing you get from a... Our Heavenly Father is generosity. Jason talked about generosity. Verse 17 there, you got that? You're heirs with Christ. Heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He earned it for you, He earned it for me. That's generous, friends. What's in that portfolio? Come on. Woo! <laughs> eternal life you will walk and talk with him it includes real estate that relationship with God he's going to walk among us we will rule and reign with him come on now glory to God we'll get new bodies <laughs> <laughs> that's my joke <laughs> I'm going to walk through walls listen to this though part of that portfolio is all of our relationships will be perfect and restored Jesus' full inheritance will be shared with the sons of God How many of you are trying to, to have an inheritance for your kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll get one, you know. And Proverbs says a wise man has, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Hello. Now listen to me very carefully because it doesn't just mean money and things. You pass along your faith which is greater than money. You pass along wisdom. That's an inheritance, folks. We get locked in because of the world system. We're not held by the world system. We're not even a part of the world system. We're here as ministers of the gospel. But we, like Jesus says, 
We belong to a kingdom which has higher laws. So don't just think about money and things. Right now you can give wisdom. Right now you can give understanding. Right now you can sneak cookies to them. (laughs) Well, we're going to get this inheritance. What does that mean? That means God, uh, the fatherhood of God is generous. He's generous because you didn't earn it. Why? You're not a slave either. And a slave gets no inheritance. But sons and daughters get the inheritance. Number five, you get maturity. God the Father wants to get you matured. Amen. And what is that talking about? It's right there, right in front of our face. He's talking about living in the Spirit, not living in the flesh. Maturity. He's talking about us growing up. <laughs> Some people here are overmothered and underfathered. I'm going to bust on you girls. Mom always says to their kids, I'll fix it. You know, I'll talk to the principal. I'll talk to the coach. You need to play more. I'll do your laundry. I'll do your homework. Dad isn't like that, is he? So you flunked. (laughs) So you're sitting on the bench. You didn't do your homework. See, we need to teach them these lessons because when they go in the real world, they'll get crushed. I heard this story. My grandson, Asher, is a very good baseball player. And (laughs) he made the traveling team. And my son-in-law is a pastor, so... He's already declared that we will not be playing ball on Sundays. And I think if more Christians stood up for that, they'd work around it. So, in a sense, they were hoping that they lost the two games because then they could get out of the tournament. But the first game they lost, and then they went to... uh, Bush Gardens, right? Bush Gardens. Well, the second game was early in the morning, and Asher was playing third base. And he was doing quite well. He was able to, seven years old, the kid can play with eight and nine-year-olds. That's the team he's on. So he throws the ball, he gets the guy out at first base. The next batter up, he hits it, and so he has to dive for the ball. And when he does, he misses it, but he really hurts himself. Obviously, you know a seven-year-old is like. (laughs) Well, he's still holding it. He misses the ball that comes by the second time. And so there's a timeout. And here comes John and Hannah, my daughter. They come out, and immediately Hannah's going, Oh, my baby, are you okay? It was like, oh, oh my gosh. How can I help you? And John gives... Hannah, the dad face. (laughs) And he goes to Asher, are you injured or are you just hurt? And he, (laughs) because if you're injured, we're going to the hospital. He said, you're not a city kid. And he's he's rubbing like this. He goes, but dad, I don't have any woods to play in. (laughs) You see the difference? Some are overmothered and underfathered. <laughs> but he's distinguishing here is that if you're walking in the flesh, you're immature. If you're walking in the spirit, you are becoming mature. You understand? A father calls us to mature. Amen? It's true. He causes us to listen. The sixth thing is what God wants to give us is a family. Brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters right here. 
the government thinks that they can throw money at and fix the problem. But the problem in our country is fatherless homes. That's the problem. I want to move on because we're running out of time. The seventh thing you get from a father is resilience. Verse 17 says, if we suffer with him, we'll also be glorified with him. Sometimes what a father would do is help you walk through difficult situations. He's not going to pull you out of it. He's going to help you get through it. Because going through difficulties builds character. Come on. You can tell a boy and a man because when they both come up to the same obstacle, the boy will run and the man will walk through. You grow as you endure hardship. We have a myth in our country that the older you get, the wiser you get. Well, you know that. It should be, amen. <laughs> but you can be foolish and immature all your life, amen. Ignoring your responsibilities, walking away from them. You could do that for decades. Come on now. Yeah. Maturity is not how long you live, but how you live. Can I hear an amen to that? A father knows that you're going to have and build character through the school of hard knocks. So does our heavenly father. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. We sang a song today and talked about God giving his strength to us as we walk through difficult times. Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff that they comfort me. Your heavenly father never leaves you. And he promises never to put something in your path that you can't overcome. So instead of whining and having a backbone like a jellyfish, we need a backbone like a crowbar. We need to walk through these with great confidence because our Father loves us, and you are a son. He will help you no matter where you are or what you're going through. And he knows that character comes out of the school of hard knocks. And to think you're going to become a Christian and you have no trouble is stupid. And I'm, asking, I'm telling you, don't be a lawnmower parent either. Do you know what that is? Some moms and dads mow everything out of the way so our little boy can come through. And he'll always stay a little boy. Come on now. The eighth thing and the final thing I'm going to talk about is our Heavenly Father gives us a destiny. It says if we suffer with him, we'll be glorified with him. Our Heavenly Father has an ultimate destiny for us, and it's to be with Him. And it will be far beyond all that we could ask or think. So we have to allow our children to make decisions. Okay? Okay, the praise and worship team, come on up. We have to allow our children to make decisions. And remember when I talked about correction, connect before you correct. We need to allow them to make a decision that you know is bad. We don't want to be controlling parents. We will stand by our kids as they go through a difficult time. Our Heavenly Father does the same thing. You make that connection with your daughter, with your son. This is a decision, Dad. I think I, I want to do this. And you talk to them about it before they make that final push. And if they feel that this is a course according to God's will, and they're being led by the Spirit of God, you have to let them go. 
you have to let him make that decision. Because the school of hard knocks builds character. And we know we have a heavenly father that will never leave us, never forsake us. Let's bow our heads. You know, I talked today about God giving us an identity. We have an identity. We have an identity. You have an identity. You're either a slave or a son. That's it. There's no in between. A slave or a son. A slave is going to try to perform. Be good so God will do this for me. Well, your goodness is trash to him. The Bible actually says it. Filthy rags. He's so holy, it's beyond our comprehension. And the only way to get there is through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the avenue of adoption. That's how you become a son of God. You release yourself into his keeping. You declare and make a statement. I have sinned and rebelled against God, the Father, the Holy One. I willfully disobeyed him. I mean, I might have cussed at him. I swore at him. But yet his mercy endures forever. And he's offering you this time right now. He's offering you sonship through Jesus Christ. Adoption through Jesus Christ. You're either a slave or a son. And he's inviting you to be a son. If that's you today, I'm asking you to raise your hand so I can see it. We'll pray a prayer. And it's amazing. A prayer from the heart gets God's attention. Anyone? Very good. Father God, I pray this, this message about sonship drop into our hearts. That we start to operate in a position of sonship and approval. Teach us, Holy One. Reveal yourself to us. Let us see your majesty. Let us live our lives with great confidence because you truly are the strength of our life. You alone are holy. And we worship you, Lord, because you have adopted us. You knew what you were getting into when you chose us. And you still chose us. God, we worship you. We give you all the glory and praise in this place. In Jesus' name.